You are listening to More to the Story, a weekly podcast featuring Pastor Drew Tarwater and Pastor Darren Enns of Forefront Church in Denver, Colorado. Each week, More to the Story podcast will follow the Forefront Church Sunday Sermon as Pastor Drew and Pastor Darren guide you through the Bible from Genesis through Revelation. Every podcast will feature in-depth analysis of the sermon and answer questions about the Bible. Now, here is more to the story. Welcome to the Forefront Church Podcast, more of the story with us this week. Pastor Darren Enns, how you doing? Hey, I'm doing good. Excited for today's podcast. Absolutely. Fun topics today. Pastor Drew Tarwater is at a fantasy football conference, <laughs> so he will not be with us today. So, and I'm Rob Blasey. Thank he's you at, so, so he's much at a for the conference, this. at least. It's a, I got part of that right. Like, <laughs> it's a conference, but maybe not fantasy football. We'll just see if, feel free to we'll, ask we'll him. We'll see about if that he later. finishes higher in our league this coming season, if it really <laughs> yeah, was. Right. I'm convinced people go to those things and they just don't tell people. Do they have those things? Oh, I'm sure they do. There's big money in fantasy football. So I suppose. I'm sure there are more Zoom calls more because the people don't want to leave their basement. So <laughs> Yeah. So But if you have questions, thoughts you want to share with us, maybe some fantasy football tips as well. Life at forefrontchurch.tv and uh email us, let us know questions you may have. I'm actually assembling questions, Darren, for you and Drew for a future episode. Cool. So just like a Q&A episode, just sort of where some of the, I would say, surface level questions, because like it's easy with the Bible and theology to take one question and go, well, what's the root cause and go down hmm. rabbit holes. But yep. I'm collecting questions for you guys. Just It's a, it's a hobby of mine. So so just fair, fair warning. So, But uh, last week was our 50th episode of More to the Story podcast, it not including was. our bonus episodes, because those are bonus. Bonus, yeah. It's like, it's not your salary, it's your bonus. Yeah, we're, we're like to a year of of More to the Story podcast stuff. How fun but is that? So we started in January of 2022, uh, and now it's June. So 52, like next week will be 52 episodes. Right. That's one every week for a year, which means we've taken almost a half a year off. Well, yeah, you got that, holidays in there. I always, I, know. I, I help people with podcasts outside of this. And I say, if you can get 40 a year, you're doing pretty good. Everybody wants to be like, you got to be consistent and do one a week. Like that is a lot of work for a lot of people. Like you, yeah. everyone, you take a, you know, we I think like breaks. We need, we need Sabbaths, sabbaticals. So yeah. And like, even like with people, like, like I talked to Drew about it, like with preaching, like you should be, you know, 40, 40 Sundays. Like that's 12 off, mm-hmm. you know, you, you know, whether they're scattered out, like, how can you plan that many talks and do them all well if you're having to do one 50, 52 times a year? Yeah. You end up kind of recycling information. Oh yeah. No, absolutely. I'm like, I, like, I think I've heard, heard this sermon before. Yeah. Is this, what season was this again? So, or is it, so, but we'll get into it. Could you recap what was preached on Sunday for us, Darren? Right. So elder Pete passed or preached last time and he preached from Acts 15, where the first council or the first gathering of Christian leaders happened uh in so in acts 15 and we've been talking about it in the podcast because it's it's in acts 10 through 15 or 14 that there's this conflict brewing there's this weird thing that's happening that the apostles and other people the jews specifically are not prepared for and it's that the gentiles are receiving the holy spirit 
And that is evidence that they are among the people of God just like the Jewish Christians are. So you got Gentile Christians asking the Jewish Christians, how are we supposed to do this thing now? Because everything in the ancient world was religious. There was no such thing as secular. Everything was was religious. And so... When you say religious, would you say like like Jew-Christian? Like, or like not Jew-Christian, that's weird. Um like Judaism or like, was there other religion? Like you're talking about like other yeah, gods? Like, like other gods. Everything okay. that you did was tied to a God and worship of that God or goddess. Okay. So like your, as, as a, a Roman or a Greek citizen, your participation in the economy was based on worship of a God. Okay. Um, and so like, if you're part of this trade guild, you part of, of being part of that guild was that you offered sacrifices to this god because this is the the patron god of okay. of blacksmithing, or okay. the patron god of you know, what grain football or something. Yeah, we don't sacrifice to those gods, do we? No, uh, just only wings. Only wings. right. <laughs> so yeah, eating eating wings is a fantasy football god act of worship. No oh, man, that's weird. <laughs> I like B dubs. Anyway. Sorry. Okay. I, I'm easily. I'm. I'm the one that derails us all the time. And you don't have journey no, to help you now. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um. But anyway. So yeah. We everything is religious. There's no such thing as secular. And so how are our non-Jewish people going to follow Jesus and respond to the grace that they have been brought into this new kingdom? Because there are always things that you do to worship a god. Well, does that mean I need to get circumcised? The, a lot of Jewish. Christians thought that they had to be. And and it's at this point where we we really start to see a division between Jewish people and and then Gentile Christians and just Christianity in general because the Jewish Christians gather here in in Acts 15 in Jerusalem and they decide that you do not have to become or that you don't have to do Jewish things in order to follow Jesus as your Messiah. And Jews who didn't believe in Jesus, they were still pure Jews, who didn't believe in in Jesus as the Messiah, they were okay with the Christian movement as a sect of Judaism until this moment. Because it's here that they start to realize, like, hang on, this is not a Jewish thing anymore. It's a multinational thing. Oh, interesting. Yeah, because they don't say you have to be circumcised. You don't have to eat kosher. You don't have to observe the Sabbath. And that, if you don't do those things, you're not Jewish. And, and it's at this moment where there's a growing divide between the Jews and the Christians, whether they're Jewish Christians or Gentile Christians. And, and eventually we see, you know, in, in 50 years, in, in 200 years, there's a big split between the Jews and the Christians. And Christianity really becomes a non-Jewish thing. And unfortunately, then comes anti-Semitism and all these kinds of things, accuse, accusing the Jews of killing our God and all that kind of stupid stuff. Um. But yeah, that that begins at this moment. No, that's that's interesting to think. So I kind of imagine then there's a lot of, even then in those first two hundred years, like you're saying, a lot of disagreement on what means what, and because like mm-hmm. it's not like like it's math- a completely different way of reading your own J- Jewish and Hebrew scriptures. Yeah, yeah. So no, like, no longer do you were these things like a requirement in order to follow God. That they're now, you go all the way back to, to Abraham, and this is what Paul is trying to do in a lot of his letters. Romans, really, uh, I I, re- I read it about two years ago, and, and I tried to read it through this lens of Jewish-Gentile conflict, 
And all of a sudden, I think what the main purpose of the letter really is, is to help people, Jewish and Gentile, live in the same place and actually be united by Jesus. Because the Gentiles weren't doing Jewish things, and the Jewish people, Christians, thought that the Gentiles needed to do Jewish things, but that, that was never the point. And there's a lot of conflict that happens when they get together at the table, like in, in Corinth. You know, some people are, are coming together, and they're, they're eating and excluding the poor. Well, in Rome, Gentile Christians were coming together and excluding the Jewish Christians, uh, and, and they weren't unified. And that's, it's just, it's pervasive in the entire New Testament. This conflict is, is the biggest thing that so the, the New Testament tries to hammer out. So what were, the, what were some of the ways they try to build that unity back? Because obviously, like, Paul's trying to get him to come back and, like, or at least, like you said, unify. But after Paul, then, what are, what's the Christian movement, the Jesus movement trying to, how are they unifying? They're unifying around faith in Jesus, and then they're starting to recognize here that that bears itself out differently in a lot of different places. I'm glad so, that doesn't happen anymore these days, by the way. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, no, you, you must worship Jesus this way, like, especially with, you know, uh, we call it the worship wars, right? Mm-hmm. Hymns. You, you got to sing hymns. Oh, uh, no, drums are, are of the devil. You can't do that. Can't have the 2-4 um, beat. <laughs> yeah, or 3-4. No, that's a waltz beat, whatever. But... <laughs> Yeah, it's it, it bears itself out a lot in in dress as well. You know, can you wear jeans to church? Uh, I mean, I I started to do that when I was in high school, and my parents just kind of had to put up with it. And now, <laughs> forefront, like everybody wears jeans. A lot isn't of people. That, isn't that funny how the culture of that changes? Where it's like, what's what's culturally important versus what's biblically important? And yeah. So how how do you discern that? Like, we're in this times. Like, what was being? How are they discerning what's culturally relevant to, we'll call it Jesus relevant. Well, I think that that's a lot of what Paul talks about in, in Corinthians. Um, when, when he comes in, so, okay, in, in Acts 15, 20, mm-hmm. uh, we see this, that their requirements are, are few, and it does not involve any Jewish things. So this is what the Jerusalem Council decides. Okay, th- this is how we're going to follow Jesus. These are the only, you know, requests slash high encouragements that, that we're going to do. Tell, tell them to abstain from food polluted by idols. That means that any, any meat that was sacrificed in a religious ritual to a pagan god, from sexual immorality, and from, or from meat strangled, uh, sorry, from the meat of strangled animals and from blood. So some, and all this is again tied to a, a ritual from, from a pagan god. Uh, some people would eat meat with blood still in it, like not fully cooked. Um, and so, you know, do we apply that to today and say we can't eat rare meat? Well, you shouldn't eat rare meat because it is very dangerous and bad for you. You know, w- w- what about sushi? Well, uh, this isn't really talking about that because this in, is in the context of, of religious worship of a pagan god like the strangling of animals and eating meat with blood. It's not tied to just, man, this fish is really good, mm-hmm. not cooked. Like that that's not what this is talking about. So we have freedom to to eat sushi even though this was a requirement placed on Christians from very early on. Interesting. And so then like then we start getting into the creeds and the importance that they brought people together to sort of answer questions. Well, my favorite's the Apostles' Creed because mm-hmm. that's kind of when people always ask me, like, "Hey, when you're a Christian, like, what do you believe?" I go, "The Apostles' Creed." Like, yeah, it's like that. Really, one of the earliest statements of what 
being a Christian, what we believe. Yeah. Yeah. Cause like people always want to know, like, are you Baptist? Are you Lutheran? Are you Methodist? I'm like, I'm Apostle Creedish. <laughs> Apostle Credo, Credoist. Yeah. yeah so, right. So the, because this is the, the first council, then there have been major gatherings of Christian believers forever since this first first one. And so a lot of people, a lot of important people in the Christian church got together throughout history. And at some point, um, these people gathered again. And we don't, I don't think there's a, an exact date of when this Apostles' Creed was like ratified or put into, into use. But the Nicene Creed was, uh, there, there was a council in the 300s, um, and it was really once Constantine, the emperor of Rome, allowed Christianity to, to be a religion, and then eventually it was made the official religion of the Roman Empire. That's when things really started to pick up, and they really started to define what they believed. And it's always a response to a heresy. It's always a response to a conflict, just like the Jerusalem Council was a response to the the Jewish custom conflict. Hmm. Um, the other councils were a response to other conflicts. So the Apostles' Creed was a response to Gnosticism. Gnosticism was a belief that Jesus uh, really what he he wasn't really like human. I, I've got it up here. Um, so the Apostles' Creed comes in and and says that Jesus is divine. That he was conceived of the Holy Spirit. He was born of a virgin. And that he he suffered and died, and then he he went into heaven, and he he is there, and he's going to be the ultimate divine judge. Um, and it was a response to Gnosticism that believed that Jesus wasn't really divine; he was just the best, like revelator of divine things. Hmm. And Gnosticism was like our our physical body is evil; it's bad. We got to escape it. Um, and, and try to, to get away from it. The um, Nicene Creed was a response to a <coughs> excuse me, sorry was a response to Arianism. Arianism uh, was a, a belief from a guy named Arius, I think. Is that something like that? Uh, Seems reasonable. <laughs> yeah, that that Jesus uh, was actually not eternal. He was not eternally existing before he was on Earth. And so that when, when the Bible says that the Son was begotten of the Father, um, that means that Jesus was, was born at that point as the Son of God and that he did not exist back when the world was created, where John 1 kind of seems to suggest that he was. You know, God, as he spoke creation into existence in Genesis 1, as God spoke, there was breath that was used to make words. The breath was the Spirit and the Word was Jesus. And so the Trinity was all the way back there in, in creation and Jesus was there. And so the, the Nicene Creed was a response that Jesus was not divine, whereas the Apostles' Creed was kind of a response that Jesus was not human. And so over time, all these councils meet together and they decide things because other people are coming up with silly theology. And so they, they got to get together and they got to figure out what's going on. Yeah, no, it's it's interesting that you, they get together to help solve some of these big theological questions. It almost reminds me of like apologetics, like when mm-hmm. even when Paul was saying, "Hey, no, we're not cannibals. This is what's actually going on." Yeah, but this is probably a much bigger gathering. And this isn't this how they also then decided what books were in the Bible. Yeah, at some point, I think at the end of the three hundreds, the end of the fourth century, 
they got they got together. Uh, I, I believe it was a council in Rome. You can go look it up. But uh, I don't have the information right here. They they essentially got together and just agreed, like, yeah, these are documents that we're going to consider as as holy scripture, as as on par with the Hebrew scriptures that we've been using forever. And it wasn't really a big debate. There were a couple things that they were unsure of, um, but they had criteria that they used. It wasn't just a willy-nilly kind of thing mm-hmm. and, and a conspiracy theory. You know, that's what, what a lot of... Um, History op- Channel stuff says. Yeah, a lot of opponents of Christianity will say, oh, the Bible was what was controversially made, and here's the real scripture. In fact, there's there's some books on the bookshelf behind me that talk about the the uh, the Gospel of Judas, the Gospel of Thomas. This changes the face of history. No, it doesn't. They knew it was there. Nobody used it because it was crazy and not actually written by Judas. And besides, Jewish Judas was the one who betrayed Jesus. Why are we going to use that as scripture? That'd be ridiculous. <laughs> That's, um, yeah, so seems reasonable there. Yeah. So, yeah, it had to be connected to an apostle, whether eyewitness or written by by that person personally. Um, eyewitness testimony of Jesus. It had to be used widely by the church. Like a lot of Paul's letters were circulated around all the churches. Um, and it had to be, you know, orthodox use. It, it, it couldn't be something on the fringe. Mm-hmm. So there were some that were debated. Um, like I think James was debated uh, as well as Jude. Because um, Jude quoted a lot of things that were not technically part of the Hebrew scriptures. Some okay. Second Temple Jude- Judaism literature that was not part of like the the Tanakh. Hmm. So, but yeah, it, it was kind of a formality, and yeah, there was a gathering of people to to identify what are we going to use as as Christians for scriptures. Yeah, no, it's a little sidebar here. We didn't talk, but like it's interesting to think then with like when people start using like those chat GBT and like the AI features to start dealing with theology mm-hmm. and like, where are they going to start pulling their information from? Like as Christians, we know like, Hey, here's what we hold to be as gospel. But like whoever's writing right. the code behind like the chat GBT is like, well, maybe they give a higher weight to Judas or Thomas or some of mm. these other books that. In the Yeah. Someone actually, one of our elders, you know, kind of uh, got me onto this, the, like a couple of months ago, what chat GPT really is. And, and he just copied and pasted what um, he asked. He asked it, what, what is the kingdom of God? Mm-hmm. And it came back with a lot of really accurate things. Um, mm-hmm. But one thing I disagreed with, with what, what chat GPT decided was the kingdom of God was that it was a primarily spiritual reality. I think the kingdom of God is much more a physical reality than, than we have been led to believe. And, and we've read into the Bible. So um, you, you just gotta, yeah, use it as a tool like chat GPT. I hear, I heard wrote a sermon recently and was allowed to, to give it at a Lutheran church in Germany somewhere. <laughs> well, um, yeah, I'm not sure about that. Does the Holy spirit reveal things to chat GPT? Doubtful. Yeah, this... he, he reveals things to, to human, to human listeners. Yeah, no, that's yeah. Interesting. Sorry for that rabbit trail there, but like when you say like, like, cause I think in today's world, source information or source material is really important. Like, even if yeah. you come up, if you're when you're debating a topic or discussion, you're like, well, what's the source information and are they credible? Yeah, and ChatGPT draws from those source things. And so if the sources aren't accurate, then what it gives you is going to be ac- is not going to be accurate either. Yeah, it's a, I use the term like, you know, bad data in, bad data out. Mm. If you put good data in, you get good data out. Yeah. And so then... People still Sounds like something Jesus data. said at once. 
I, I think it was probably somewhere there. It might have might have been in the book of Thomas. It's it's not something that goes into a person that defiles you, but what comes out that defiles. Oh you. yeah, see. And yet, what you put in causes what comes out to be defiled in a certain way. So anyway, moving on. Okay, interesting. So <laughs> then, like moving on, then like with how like how did the Catholic Church like with they use Latin up until you said until the nineteen sixties. Yeah. So um, help me out with that. Yeah, so the church, the, the Catholic Church, continued to meet in 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 you know times of, of stress where they needed to, um, and and when remember when we say Catholic, that doesn't before the Reformation, mm-hmm. Catholic just meant the Church. Catholic just means the one united Church. So is it in the Apostles' Creed that I believe in in the in the one in the Catholic Church? Correct. It just means the one Church. Yeah. Like I, I believe in the body of Christ. That's what that statement says. Mm-hmm. When we uh, in post-Reformation Protestant times look at that, we we kind of reject that a little bit. But at the time, it was not not an issue, and mm-hmm. and we shouldn't reject that either. So the Catholic Church now, as a denomination, um, I think everyone who listening probably knows what the Catholic Church is. They met in 1570. After the Reformation, after it was all getting stirred up, you know, you got Martin Luther stirring the pot, you got my, my old boy Menno Simons coming in too. They met and kind of, they, unfortunately, they kind of bared down on the rejections that Martin Luther brought up. Um, they, they, they kind of bore down and said, yeah, you're wrong, we're right, we're, we're sticking to it. And one of those things was the use of Latin in the church for the mass uh, in their service. And... So even though at that time, Latin really wasn't a spoken language except in religious circles, um, which is why people who tried to translate scriptures into their their um, common tongue, for example, people who tried to translate the Bible into German, into English, they were um, persecuted. They were killed, some people, for trying mm. to do that because that was viewed as bad. Latin is the language of God. Well... Protestants came in and said, no, the, the language of God is not a language, but the original scriptures were written in Hebrew and Greek. And why are we using Latin? Well, just because that's the tradition that the church had been using for a long time. So they 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 just kind of, you know, bore down on that. In 1570 said, no, uh, Latin is what we're going to do. But then in, in the 1960s, they had a, a, it was the council called Vatican II. All the cardinals got together um, like like we see when they elect another pope, okay. um, there's no there's no smoke signals here, but they decided to to pull back on that a little bit and allow the mass to be conducted in the common tongue of the people. So now you didn't have a, a church service in all only Latin. You had it in German in Germany. You had it in English in in the United Kingdom and um, in in Spanish in other places. And and so they they kind of went back on that. And it was so that it could be, you know, heard and understood by a greater number of people. So, yeah, people have been meeting. High-powered Christian people have been meeting to decide big things for a very long time. And here in Acts 15, we just see the first one. Yeah, no, it's interesting to think. And then what are, what are some of the other things that are in Acts 15, like where they're, like they're trying to solve of issues of going on in the day of mm-hmm. like but pre-council stuff, I guess. Yeah, and so we kind of already mentioned that you know the the big thing is is do you need to do to do Jewish things to believe in Jesus who is also a Jew? Um, in in the letter that they send out, uh, we see in Acts fifteen verse twenty four that there were people who went out from us that is the the people 
that the main Christian leaders, without our authorization and disturbed you, troubling your minds by what they said. And so right here is a record that there were people going around unauthorized um, saying things, proselytizing Gentiles into becoming Jewish in order to believe and follow Jesus. And so they say, look, we know this has happened. Um, it, we apologize for it. It's not our fault. They, they did this without our permission. Here are some people who are going to tell you what we do, and here's a written notice from us telling you, confirming the things that they are saying. Um, and they sent people like Judas and Silas. They sent people eventually, uh, Barnabas and, and Paul, to go out to these um, Gentile Christian churches and say, what you've heard from this group of people is not what we think is right. Instead, here is what we think you should do. And you should not eat food sacrificed to idols, don't eat blood in your meat, don't eat meat strangled by animals, and don't be sexually immoral. You would do well to avoid these things. Um, Pete said it like, it would be cool if you did these things. It would be good for you. Not you should or you have to, even though I, I think we should all agree that sexual immorality is not a good thing. You probably shouldn't eat blood in your meat. Like even today, those are, those are good things for us to, to follow. It is interesting, like especially with the blood and the meat, where you look back at some of the, the Jewish law, it, you could you know talk about being clean or unclean, but it's actually there's a lot of safety health concerns. Yes. Um, so here, one of my favorite things to point out in, in the Torah, in the first five books, is that in Exodus, there's a law that says you need to uh, roast your Passover lamb, cook it over the campfire, and that's a law to do to prepare your lamb for the Passover. But then later in Deuteronomy, that law changes to now you need to boil your lamb so that you can eat it during the Passover. And it's like, wait, hang on, hang on a second. I, I thought this was a law. So which one are we supposed to do? Are we supposed to roast it? Or are we supposed to, to boil it? It's about the context. In Exodus, they were about to spend 40 years in the wilderness in temporary shelters where they had to set up portable campfires and they couldn't set up a permanent pot to boil things. So when you're camping, you roast your mar- you roast your your things over a, over a fire, and there's a potential for that not to get cooked all the way through. So you just got to do a really good job boiling it. However, make sure that it is cooked all the way through. It's a much better way to to eat your meat, at least back in those times. Now, of course, we have you know barbecues and smokers and all kinds of stuff. But look at look at we got it in for Drew. <laughs> and Drew's not look even at here. <laughs> That's love right there. Yeah, so it, it's really about context. If you can set up a permanent kitchen, then you should cook your meat right, which back in that time was boil. So um, that's that's kind of the context of that. So when we talk about not eating meat or not eating um, blood, you need to make sure that it's cooked. It, it's a, it is a safety issue, like you mentioned. It's it's a good thing. Yeah, even like with that. like the not eating pork. There's like they they eat a lot of garbage pigs do. Mm-hmm. And so if you're eating what they're eating in a roundabout way, you're putting a lot of garbage into your body. Yeah. So, cause they would, they eat anything. It's, it's crazy. So mm-hmm. as we wrap this up, anything we missed that you want to put a bow on Darren? Uh, yeah, I think we can dig into a bit more in first Corinthians because Paul really comes and, and it, he almost slash kind of contradicts this whole not eating meat sacrifice to idols thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm just going to, I'm going to search, I'm going to get there in my Bible. So first Corinthians eight, there's a title in the NIV that says concerning food sacrifice to idols. 
So if you have Acts 15 on the brain, you're like, wait, I thought this wasn't an issue. Like, Paul, why are you talking about this? Um, in, in 1 Corinthians 8, Paul explains this whole thing. He says in verse 4, So then, about eating food sacrificed to idols, he essentially goes on and he says, like, we know, you and I know, that there's only one God. That these, these idols, quote-unquote idols that you're sacrificing meat to, they don't really exist. Like, that there's not, there's not something there. Because we know that there is one God, one Father, one Jesus, one Spirit. However, he says in verse 7, but not everyone possesses this knowledge. Some people are still accustomed to idols, that when they eat sacrificial food, they think of it as having been sacrificed to a God. And since their conscience is weak, it is defiled. So it's about the knowledge of the one true God or a life lived in past conflict with with a pagan God. And so their conscience is weak. Therefore, what they are doing is sinful. Because in their own mind, they're going back to a previous life, which they've been set free from. Verse 8 <coughs> says, But food does not bring us near to God. We're no worse if we do not eat and no better if we do. Be careful. However, Paul says in verse 9, that the, that the exercise of your rights does not become a stumbling block to the weak. Because if someone with a weak conscience sees you, with all your knowledge, eating in an idol's temple, won't that person be emboldened to eat what is sacrificed to idols. And so for that weaker person, they're like, oh yeah, I worship Jesus, but I'm also eating in honor of this pagan God. And so Paul's saying, you need to be careful because even though you know that eating that meat does nothing, like it doesn't defile you, and it's not sinful in itself because there's no such thing as another God, you need to be careful because someone else, you could lead them astray. And we we often bring this into our modern context uh, I, I hear it commonly talked about with like alcoholism, right? Mm-hmm. Like drinking alcohol in and of itself is not a bad thing. Drinking a lot of it, excess, and losing control of your own uh, dignity is because that's when you make poor decisions, when you have too much alcohol in your system. And so someone who has spent a lifetime doing that, getting drunk, uh, and, and Pete talked about this too, he had a past with alcoholism. Mm-hmm. Um, for him, he... It would have been bad for me to go out to supper with Pete when he was in in, in his um, you know period of getting sober and just get hammered or drink a lot of alcohol um, and and do that because uh, that that could lead him astray. He's like, oh well, my pastor is doing it, so why can't I do it? Um, but that kind of thing just w- would lead him to a dark place, and so we we do have to be careful with that. But also, and I'm I've been exploring this. Um, we have to be careful that we don't take this and use it in a bad way and become a professional weaker brother. Have you heard of that, Rob? Yeah, not in that term, but I think I know where you're going with yeah. this. Yeah. Where am I going with this? With the idea of like using it as everything that you you know you put up a wall instead of a guideline for like, hey, yeah. instead of now you're going as a Christian, it's kind of like, Rob, you shouldn't drink because it could make someone stumble. Or you you become the victim, and, and I say, hey, don't you dare do that because that causes me to stumble. I can't handle it. Uh, where, where you are always the one pointing out sin to other people because it affects you. Mm. Like, and, and it's a professional weaker brother mm-hmm. where I'm always the victim. Um, I don't have to grow in my relationship with Jesus and my maturity. You need to stop doing things that make me sin. Uh, yeah. Like there's... I, I think of like that is almost like the lowest common denominator. It's always yeah. got to be. 
Always got to be brought back there. That's mm-hmm. an that's an interesting way to do it. Would you call that again? Professional weaker pro. Professional weaker brother and that's, sister, of course. We should put that on a T-shirt. <laughs> I'm I'm a pro at at pointing out other people making me stumble. With that, any parting thoughts, Darren? Nah, I think we're good to end it there. All right, perfect. So thank you so much for listening. Send all complaints to Drew at ForefrontChurch.tv or if you want to connect with us live at ForefrontChurch.tv. So thank you so much for listening and we'll be here next time. You have been listening to More to the Story, a weekly podcast featuring Pastor Drew Tarwater and Pastor Darren Enns of Forefront Church in Denver, Colorado. Each week, More to the Story podcast will follow the Forefront Church Sunday Sermon as Pastor Drew and Pastor Darren guide you through the Bible from Genesis through Revelation. Every podcast will feature in-depth analysis of the sermon and answer questions about the Bible. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with another edition of More to the Story.